Hello and welcome to the Blackout Podcast where I get to talk to amazing people who do amazing things and today have someone I hope to do a lot of stuff with. Uh, awesome human being, paramedic, father, just all around cool guy, Nizam well, Farah. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for coming that. to the podcast today. <laughs> thank you, Israel. I appreciate it. Man. So like, I, I mean, uh, first off, okay, you know, so uh, one of my best actors, and people hate the guy, I don't know why, but it's Michael Bay. And then he made this film, Ambulance. It's like... Yes. <laughs> it's crazy. Yes. So whenever I'm like, I mean, obviously that's not what you do as a yeah. paramedic, but like whenever I have, like that's the picture of a paramedic in mind. I'd love to. <laughs> <laughs> so um, how did you get into this whole paramedic thing? My initial plan was med school. Mm -hmm. uh, so I was at Dow, I was taking a undergrad in sciences, and then I twisted gears to do research. Uh, so research that I was doing was in pharmacology. I was getting ready to do my master's, and again, my main goal was med school for as long as I've remembered, but then I just had some personal things that happened, uh, and really I lost the taste for med school, but I didn't lose the taste for medicine. Mm. Uh, so I started working at Good Life, which I... As, as a uh, trainer? Uh, no, so as a salesperson. Oh, right. Hated it. <laughs> hated it. It was the worst job ever. And it really made me think, like, I got to do something with my life. This is not what I want to do. Mm. And I had a friend of mine that worked there, and she's like, yeah, I applied for a paramedic school. So I said, eh, okay, fuck it. Let's apply and see what happens. Seven years later, I'm loving it. Mm. Here we are. Mm. Yeah. So, so was it was it, a fluke. It was a fluke. Was it training like? In Nova Scotia, we so we go to Medivie Health Ed, and that's in Burnside. It's a crash course of 10 months. Mm. But in that 10 months, every week you have a test. Every month you have an exam. It's very condensed information. So your, um, your schooling is six months. Mm. And then your clinical is four months. Oh, wow. And after that, you have to write an exam to get... Uh, certified to work in Nova Scotia and then after you pass that exam then you can apply for EHS which is the only company that at the time when I was applying was hiring paramedics of my level of care. Mm -hmm. So in Nova Scotia you have primary care paramedics, advanced care paramedics and critical care paramedics. Was it different? Is like uh, so scopes of practice, right? Uh, so as a primary care paramedic uh, you are pretty much basic life support. So you have the skills to maintain basic life support. But here in Nova Scotia our scope is actually the best in the country. Oh, wow. Yeah, so we have a lot in our toolbox that we can use on uh, emergency calls, whether it is uh, cardiac arrest, uh, whether it is a trauma uh, or heart attack. There's a lot of things that as paramer uh, primary care paramedics we can do, a lot mm. of provinces can't do. Oh. Uh, advanced care, they have a little bit more in their toolbox. And then critical care are the paramedics that either work in the hospital or they work on life flight. So they, uh, the helicopter. Oh, yeah. wait, but like the people that transport the like patients between hospitals, is that any level can do that? Uh, between hospitals. Mm. So right now EHS is actually, surprise, surprise, struggling with staffing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what they're doing is uh, they're called patient transport units. So those PTUs have a paramedic and they have a ambulance driver. 
uh, transport operator is the proper terminology for them. And those are the people that move individuals from uh, one facility to the next or from a nursing home to an appointment, or whatever the case may be. Oh. So very, very low acuity. Uh, but they're also rolling only two transport operators now to do low acuity calls, like the, uh, sorry, the low acuity transfers. So you really have to have advanced uh, problem before uh, yeah, advanced CPR is the only thing you need to to have oh. to operate on that uh, level with oh, EHS. Okay. So yeah, it's a pretty sweet gig. You <laughs> you don't move people. You move people that are not sick. Really, like really go into appointments and stuff. And then when people are sick, they have to involve a paramedic legally, uh, right? Just in case something happens. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> I mean, I guess so. To me, though, doing that work. You know, I mean, one day it might be just someone that fell on the ice, and yep. then someday it might be freaking accidents. Yep. Um, I guess the range varies, right? Yes. So it does. What are some things that like they do either part of your training or just you yourself do to like, you know, make sure you are okay based on the things you get to see during the work you do? So I will say firsthand on a personal level, there's no proper mental health system here in Nova Scotia to really help you with any issues that you're having, whether you are a paramedic or you're not a paramedic. Our, our, our mental health system fucking sucks here in Nova Scotia. Mm. Uh, I deal with them all the time, right? I, I deal with them on the ambulances. I deal with them at the hospital. Mental health is a huge issue here. And for what we do as paramedics in Nova Scotia or even healthcare workers, the mental health help that they have is very inferior. Mm. Uh, I think it needs a lot of work. Uh, a lot of people just give up and they say, okay, I can cope on my own. I've seen a lot of my friends, unfortunately, take their life. And it sucks when you see that because for me as a new paramedic, six, seven years is nothing. Mm. These people I'm talking about have been in the industry for 20, 30 years. Right? They've seen a lot in their 30 years that I have seen in my seven, and I've seen a lot of shit. Mm. Can you imagine 30 years of it? And they've take their life because they didn't have the proper help. Obviously, you can take it within your own hands to go and find proper help. But again, just the, the way our system is in Nova Scotia is just, it's, it's not right. And it's, I wish they could do something about it, mm. right? Even for me, as a healthcare worker, and even for you as an individual, right? When you have mental health issues, just it's it's not there here in Nova Scotia. It's not it's not a main focus, and they really need to focus on helping people with their mental health, mm. especially after the pandemic. Right. That's where I was going right. to go to. Yeah. So like uh, I haven't actually talked to someone. I mean, just like you know, from the I guess from the outside or right. on a tangent, I'll know someone that knows a doctor or someone right. that was working in the hospitals yeah. doing that. You know, like in the thick of things like March 2020. How was work like being in paramedic? Like when that first real heavy lockdown was. Like as like think about it this way: this is the first pandemic of modern history, mm. right? The last pandemic that was as severe as this was the Spanish flu back in the early 1900s. Obviously you had H1N1, but was but H1N1 like H1N1 was in between an epidemic and a pandemic. Mm. This was a full-blown pandemic during modern history where we rely so much on technology, transportation and everything. The world shut down. Mm. And that made it 
really hard for people. It really made it hard for our, like even our job, mm. right? As healthcare professionals, just dealing with, and I'm telling you, a lot of people were like, oh, COVID is a flu. COVID is nothing. I've seen some, I've seen some people that got sick from COVID. Mm. And I'm telling you, they did not leave the ICU because they had to go in a body bag, mm. right? And that's tough from young to old. I've seen people that were very sick with COVID. Um, so with that being said, the pandemic really tossed a fuck you wrench in healthcare. And it went from a dumpster, it went from a dumpster fire before the pandemic. <laughs> I, I, I'm to saying uh, to a, a, a wildfire. <laughs> Like right now, we're in a like we're in a forest fire, and when it comes to healthcare, Whoa. yeah, and it's sad. Mm. It's very sad that it had to come to this point where there this wasn't planned. And I'm not saying people plan for this stuff, mm -hmm. right? Th this is something that really took the world by surprise because mm. everybody at the beginning, you remember, mm. oh yeah, this will pass. Oh, it's nothing. It we'll won't be come right. here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not gonna come here. And then the first case. Yeah, we should be fine. We should mm. be fine. And then just like that. It was so quick. Just turn up a dime. Yeah. You know? So, like, you know, being in healthcare and seeing what you saw, how did, how did it feel for you when there were, like, this bunch of people saying, oh, man, like, you know, don't do masks and all these things? And It pissed me off. It really did piss me off. And a lot of my family members were that way. Oh and a God. lot of my family members were like, oh, don't take the vaccine. This is just the way... I come, from, I come from a science background. So for me, a vaccine makes sense on a clinical and medical level, mm. right? When you get a vaccine, this is pieces of the virus that is introduced into your body to allow your immune system to get ready. So in case, in case it sees those pieces on an actual virus, does it work? Sometimes it doesn't because these are all predictions, mm. right? Flu season is the perfect example. A lot of people are always saying, oh, don't get the flu shot, it doesn't work anyway. It's a prediction, right? They can't really get it like all the time. Mm -hmm. COVID vaccine was a little bit different. COVID vaccine was using new technology where they introduced a strain of information into your body to use that information to get ready for the full-blown virus. So when you were when you're reading uh, like listening or reading to the mRNA vaccine, so mRNA is messenger RNA, which is made from DNA. So it goes DNA to mRNA, RNA to the protein. Mm. So the mRNA is actually the footprint of information that the body uses to produce the full-blown okay, this is, we need to look for this whole thing mm. instead of saying, oh, we're gonna look for pieces, mm. right? So on a clinical and medical level, yeah, the vaccine made sense. Did it work? I'm still waiting to see that data. Mm. Because even, what, the third wave? Like how many people were getting fucked by the third wave, mm. right? And everybody was vaccinated at that point. I don't, I haven't seen the data vaccinated versus unvaccinated, ICU visits versus non-ICU visits, but I'd love to see it. Mm. So again, it, 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 for me, it was different because I understand it from both, both levels, right? So yeah, in a long way, mm. Mm. <laughs> it, it pissed me off. When people were saying don't mask, don't vaccinate, yeah, that was definitely a piss off for me, but you can't control people, mm. right? People wanna do what they wanna do. 
And if you want to force people to do something, they're going to retaliate, which exactly what we saw here in Canada, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, with the people that went to Ottawa. Oh my God, I totally forgot about that. Oh, anyway, man, <laughs> let's not start on that, man. Let's not start on I that. I totally forgot about that. Um, so you know, you, you've done this thing a couple of years now. I mean, you know, it's difficult. It's trying. It is, you know, dumpster fire, wildfire. What keeps you doing it? My love for helping people. Mm. My love for helping people and for my love for medicine. Uh, as a paramedic in the hospital compared to being a correctional paramedic at the Burnside Jail, my scope of practice per se, uh, so scope of practice means the things that I'm allowed to do under my license, uh, is vast. I can do a lot of things, mm. right? And that keeps me interested. The things that I learn every year for new stuff that we are ready to do is interesting. I'm a, I'm a nerd when it comes to that stuff, mm. uh, right? So that's what keeps me going. I, I love helping people and I love the medicine. Where did the love for helping people come from? I've, I've always had a soft spot in my heart for helping people no matter what the situation was, even from a young age. I, I've always had a, it's just something that I never understood, mm. but I naturally was good at it. Mm -hmm. And just helping people, whether it is with, um, you know, homework, whether it is for helping them do something, I've always put myself on the line to offer my help mm. and offer my services. I've, I've always been that type of person. Uh, so I find being in healthcare is just like that, right? You're putting yourself on the line. You're willing to be in a paramedic, especially when nowadays you're putting your life on the line mm. to go and help people, right? And that doesn't phase me. I just love it because it's, it's some, like we need people like that. We need people to really put their heart into helping others, mm. especially nowadays, because I feel like that that care is shrinking to nothing, right? Everyone's like thinking of my, myself. Of my Everybody's thinking bubble. of themselves, but you know what? I don't, I don't blame them though, mm. right? I don't blame them. Like we are in a, in a, we are in a world right now of so much uncertainty, so many questions. Mm. After the pandemic, like look at the stuff that has come out of nowhere. You know what I mean? Uh, Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, right now, the Palestine and Israel. Uh, the thing of the latest thing that I was listening to on social media was uh, Arabs in North Africa, right? Um, so traditionally, Africa was always, you know, black people. Mm. Arabs came and invaded Northern Africa. Mm. So now if you look at the Arab world map, it goes pretty much from a little bit further from Libya all the way up to Syria and then all the way down to Saudi Arabia. That's the map of the Middle East, mm. right? Arabs never were in Africa, right? They invaded Northern Africa and they settled in those sections. Mm. Same thing as what's going on in other parts of the world, right? People just, we are natural um, predators. We are natural invaders. That's in our DNA. Because it doesn't matter where you are, you always see it happen, mm. right? So yeah, there's a lot of information coming out out of nowhere. Don't even get me started with Kanye. Oh my God, <laughs> yeah. Right? But, but again, like these are things, like look at the stuff that is coming out of nowhere after this pandemic. Mm. So much stuff, mm. so much stuff, 
right? We're in a, we're in a crazy world, very crazy world. But, mm. you know, knowing, knowing humanity and being a paramedic, you really don't have much of faith in humanity. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know what? I'm telling you, I'm, I'm hoping we get out of this and we all come together, right? We all come together and we just come to a solution to say, okay, this is enough. Mm. We need to stick together so we can make sure that we can make it out of this world. Yeah, no, right? I mean, it's true you said that. Like, my, my, my one thing is, you know, my grandma was like, we're all here to help each other. Yep. And exactly. It, it, if it's actually easier to help people than to, like, fight them. Because, right. it, it, but anyway, I started this by talking about... Um, Michael Bay's ambulance, and I gotta ask, like, is part of your training how to drive the truck? Yes. <laughs> and, and very, like, what? very brief. It's a what? What is very brief? <laughs> I think my training, my training for the ambulances to drive an ambulance was two days. What? I mean, I didn't. <laughs> I was like, I'm thinking you're going to teach you no, how to like speed and no, drive. You're and not allowed to speed in an ambulance. What do you mean? So uh, ambulances, at, so this part will cut off. Well, not cut off, but I'm going to have to be very cautious of what I say in this section because I don't know what EHS wants me to say and whatnot. Fair enough. You know what I mean? So I'll, I'll say what I can, mm -hmm. but I'm going to be very cautious of what I say. Cool. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, so generally speaking, when you have a vast fleet of vehicles, companies like to have uh, a, a chip or a system in them to track everything you do. Mm. That makes sense on an insurance liability uh, company make it, trying to save money because they don't want to go through fleet of vehicles, mm -hmm. right? Uh, so EHS is one of those companies where they have a system that's called the Ace Tech that pretty much monitors everything you do. Again, that makes sense. Mm. Um, it tracks your speed live. So if you're in an area where, let's say, you're going 70 in a 50 zone, it's going to ding you. It will send an email to your superior to say, hey, just to let you know this unit is going this speed, and you have a fob that you fob in, so it automatically lets them know this individual is driving this mm -hmm. vehicle. But again, this is a system that exists in any f vast fleet of vehicles, mm -hmm. right? From truck drivers to cargo drivers, everything, mm -hmm. right? Um, so yeah, we're not allowed to speed. And even if we're going lights and sirens, we're allowed to only go 10 kilometers an hour over the speed limit. But even in an emergency, it doesn't matter. That's my even, question. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Is that but that's because of insurance and liability purposes, right? They don't want you getting in an accident because you're driving like a jackass. Hmm. Right? I don't know. I just thought like you have the thing you just... Oh, listen, <laughs> listen. You, you go, you look at your tablet. The tablet is pretty much the computer that gives us all of our information on a call, mm. right? It gives you the address. It gives you the chief complaint. It gives you... Um, live does information. Does it have GPS and stuff? Yeah, it? it does have GPS, yeah. So it gives you live information of what the 911 dispatcher is getting from the caller onto mm -hmm. your tablet so you can see as you're driving, right? So you have your passenger, which is the person that usually attends, and then you have your driver. So they don't focus on that. Mm -hmm. They're listening to you. Um, when you're reading it and you're like, we have a six-year-old cardiac arrest, do you, do you want to put your foot pedal to the metal, mm. right? Like you want to go, but 
on again, I understand on a liability and insurance purposes, the company cannot afford you to go and drive like that. Wow. So they have to. But again, it's it, it's it's a toss up, right? Some paramedics though, they're like, "Fuck this, I'm gonna." Right, because you're literally saving a life. You're gonna, and time matters at that point. Yeah. Right. What if in the, what if they're in a place, and this does happen? What if they're in a place that people have not been trained to use, like to know how to do CPR, mm. or they don't have an AED, and you have an individual that is dead, and nobody knows what to do. Mm. At that point, time matters because the muscle's going to start degrade, uh, degenerating, and the more time they're down the less likelihood they're going to make it out of it. As a primary, do you have to do like physical training? Like, um, uh, <laughs> 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 oh, I mean, man. cause you know, you have to carry a person, push the mm, stretch on stuff. The, uh, so your initial, your initial training into EHS or your initial test into EHS, there is a physical and it's, it's quite a hectic physical. Like, um, uh, I remember when I went into it, they had to check my blood pressure and heart rate before, and then I had to do the obstacle of lifting weights, walking around, dropping the weights, putting a person on what we have, a stair chair. So if somebody is unable to walk, we have this device is called a stair chair. So they sit on it, and then you and your partner can lift it up and down the stairs. Uh, new ones have tracks. When I started, they didn't have, <laughs> they they didn't have tracks. Out. They did not have tracks. And then if you had somebody that was 400 pounds, <laughs> yeah, it sucked. It sucked. Uh, so yeah, that's the one that we had. So they had to put somebody that was 200 plus pounds on this. You go up the flight of stairs, you come down the flight of stairs. And it also, it's, it's tracking your communication with your partner oh. going up and down the stairs, right? So they're seeing your physical and they're seeing your coordination mm. and the way that you talk to your partner as you're going up and down the stairs. Mm. Uh, and then you're doing a round of CPR and then you're grabbing heavier weights, doing the obstacle and all that kind of stuff. So you had to do it under nine minutes. Oh, <laughs> yeah. good luck. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Like, I, I, I think I did it in less than six. Oh, I was, oh, I was booting it. I was booting it. But good, when I sat down and they checked my blood pressure, they're like, we're going we're gonna to check that again. <laughs> just, just go sit down and check it because if your blood pressure was too high, they failed you. Oh. At the time when I did the test. Because at that point, you're a risk. If your blood pressure is too high and your blood pressure is not coming down, you're at risk. Oh, yeah, because you can now, yeah. Right? It's so, like the whole put your own oxygen yeah, mask first. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah. Um, wow. But back then, there was that That was the good physical test. But after that, they... It's like, whatever. Care. You're meeting the seat. We need people. We need people. Meet, meet in the seat, right? <laughs> <laughs> meet in the seat. Okay, I'll just segue to beer. So how, how yeah, do you go from love. like... You know, blood on guts to beer now. <laughs> uh, well, if you're if you're a healthcare worker, you probably <laughs> understand. Be like, after a long ass day, I'm gonna sit down and drink a beer, right? Um, I I remember when I first started getting into craft beer. I have a buddy of mine, uh, and he was the one who introduced me to it. A good friend of mine. We've been friends for 20 plus years. Uh, he introduced me into craft beer and he was like, hey man, try this. And I try it. Some of them I didn't like. Some mm -hmm. of them I did like. Uh, so I gave it up. I was like, no, I'm not going to drink beer. At the time I was drinking Molson. I was drinking Bud Light, you know, the shitty beer now to me. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I don't know. I just, I, I, I just started getting back into it. I was like, you know what? It always killed my guts. Mm -hmm. Bud Light, 
Molson, Keith's. I don't know what it is in that in those products, but it always destroyed my guts. Mm. So I was like, I need to try something else because I, I enjoyed beer, right? Uh, so I that's when I started getting into craft beer, and this was. Uh, pre-pandemic, like a year before the pandemic. Mm. Uh, so I started t- uh, tasting some beers and I was like, oh man, you know, like I'd love to do like a, uh, like some social media beer reviews. Mm. Uh, so I started getting into that and uh, every day, not every day, I'd say every second day, I'd crack a beer from a local brewery, I'd taste it, I'd do a live review, I'd r- uh, rank it on a scale of zero to 10. Oh. And then when I when I started doing that, and I really started enjoying it. I uh, I was on social media and on TikTok particularly, and I saw this mobile tap truck, and the company is called Tap Truck USA. Mm. And I looked into it, and I was like, man, that is freaking cool. So I started digging into seeing that kind of stuff here in Canada. Uh, there's a few of them in Ontario. There's a Few of them, uh, there's a few of them in BC and then scattered across from there. Mm. Uh, but nothing like that, particularly here in Atlanta, Canada. Mm-hmm. So I was like, ah, oh, man, that would be really cool to get into something like that. And at that point, I was questioning my love for being a paramedic on the ambulances. Mm. Not medicine itself, but just being, an am- just being a paramedic on the ambulances, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't, I was going through a rough time with being overworked, underpaid. Uh, never making it on home on time. Mm. You know, I was like, something needs to change here. So I pitched it to my wife. I was like, hey, what do you think? She's like, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> She's like, don't do that. I'm like, why not? <clears throat> I'm like, I love beer. This is something that I can learn. Mm. And I've always wanted my business. And I feel like I have, you know, a good head on my shoulders to be an entrepreneur. I was like, I'm, I'm going to pursue this. And she was like, well, don't fuck up. <laughs> right? She's like, don't fuck up. I was like, okay, I'll, I'm going to try. Uh, so started to look into it. I didn't want the system that they had in the USA or if they had it across Canada. I wanted to make something very unique, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's where the van came in play. So initially I wanted, uh, I wanted to stick to the van. I wanted to stick to the very isolated systems. So you have your barrier between the driver and the back. And then you have your keg, I mean, the, your kegerator that separates the back from the beer, right? So if, God forbid, something happens, you're good. Not, not, yeah, exactly, if, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Uh, so I looked into it and then uh, me and Beer Tech, so that's a local company that does uh, beer equipment supplies and kegerators and stuff. Uh, Bill, shout out to him, freaking genius. That <laughs> guy, he was the one who came up with the system in the back of my van. Mm. Great guy, uh, it's amazing. And uh, ever since, I was like, okay, at this point, you can't go back, mm. right? You invested a shitload of money. You uh, you, you got to do what you got to do. Mm-hmm. And then that's how we started trucking and started doing a lot of outreach to breweries, started doing a lot of outreach to events across of the province, uh, doing a lot of outreach to people like yourself, mm. right? Uh, and then here we are. So... Um, the name, what's the story behind the name? <laughs> so Hoppy Wheels actually came up while my wife and I were having a couple drinks one night. And I was like, all right, babe, what do you think of a good name? And I was like, because my social media name before Hoppy Wheels was Hoppy Once for my beer reviews. Mm-hmm. So she was like, you gotta, you gotta do something that sticks with that, right? I was like, all right, cool. I'm like, okay, like Hoppy Van. She's like, no. I was like, um, I don't know. Um. Hoppy truck. And she's like, no, no. She was like, what about hops wheels? I was like, hops wheels. She was like, no, no, hoppy wheels. I'm like, mm. that's it. 
So my, my wife actually came up with that, even though she was so adamant to what? not allow me to do this. Like she was the one who came up with the name. Uh, so I, yeah, she she gets a lot of credit for it because so it's a great name. What are, what are some of the events that you've been through that you, know, you really enjoy? Yeah. Uh, so we are fairly new. Uh, mm. We just started in mid-July. Right, uh, very late in the game, especially in the summertime. Mm. Nobody knew what we were about, how we functioned, and liquor regulations in Nova Scotia are the strictest around the country. Oh, uh, for you to get a liquor license, even at a permanent station, mm. so even for a restaurant, you got to go through a lot of red tape. It's tough. Mm. Um, so that was me that, that for me that was the very hard way to learn that liquor licensing was tough after I opened up the business oh. uh, I knew there was liquor licensing I did my homework I was like okay these are the type of liquor licensing that you can uh, have you can apply mm. I I came in contact with the liquor and gaming commission and they were like yeah these are the type of licensing that you can have mm -hmm. by the way you're not allowed to apply for them oh yeah so I was like all right well shit this is going to be tougher than I thought. Mm. <clears throat> I started collaborating with Waverly Village Green. Uh, so if you've ever been down Waverly, they have a beautiful green space down there that in the summertime they throw free concerts mm. for the community. So people come from Waverly, Fall River, they come from Enfield, Cole Harbor, Dartmouth, Halifax to go down to watch these concerts. And these are pretty great people that are throwing these shows, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I collaborated with them. I, I reached out to them. I was like, hey. I think this would be super cool to have down at the Waverly Village Green. And then when we started looking to the liquor licensing, uh, we ran into an issue that was on their end. Uh, but I was like, you know what? Let's do non-alcoholic stuff. They're like, is that a thing? I'm like, yeah, that's, that's a thing. <laughs> yes. But I'm telling you, like, there's beer, cider, wine with zero alcohol in it, mm. mocktails. So these are fake cocktails. Mm. Taste no different than a regular mm. alcoholic beverage. I watched this show called Drink Masters on Netflix. I don't know if you know this show, but it's basically <laughs> bartenders like mixing drinks. Oh, uh, yeah. One of the drink that actually won a, con a it's like a reality show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the winning drink was a mocktail. So like there was no alcohol How inside. How cool is that, yeah, right? Like there's, there's so, there's, Zero alcohol gin. There's zero alcohol vodka. Mm. There's zero alcohol whiskey that you can use that tastes nothing different mm. into these cocktails. And then, like, how beautiful is it? You can have a few of those and drive home. Mm. You're at an event. You're socializing. <laughs> you're drinking. But you're not getting the buzz. You're mm. getting the flavor. It's just such a cool, cool way to do it, right? Uh, so they loved it. So we were down there all summer mm. uh, doing their concerts. And we were serving non-alcoholic drinks. Uh, it was a big hit and it also was great outreach mm. right i made a lot of connections i was chatting with a lot of people uh we also went to uh river john do you know where river john is no by tatamagush oh, oh okay so they have uh they there is a brewery there tata uh, tata brew oh okay tata brew great products love tata brew they they were probably they, no they still are top five for me oh wow. yeah tata brew is top five for me they have amazing products there mm. uh so we went up to river john and uh, they had a market. It's called Under the Lights Market. So it's a night market. Mm -hmm. And we went up there and we did non-alcoholic stuff. And again, it was a big hit. Wow. So yeah, we did a lot of that stuff this summer. And uh, hopefully next year it's going to be even more. With more summer. alcohol. Wow. Uh, you know what, Nizan? 
it's always amazing and always fun talking to you and i'm learning so much <laughs> learning likewise so much. likewise but um before i let you go i want to end with this question like you know so you have the paramedic thing the being a dad thing and now this business how do you make it all work i'd love to say a lot of beer <laughs> that's not that's not something i should be saying um a lot you know what I, i will tell you i'll be honest with you man my my wife is my rock she mm. is uh, she's amazing she really helps put things to perspective uh she holds down the fort at home when i'm busy making things happen for us right i don't do this for me i i want to do it for my family i want my children to have something that they you know my parents had to work very hard for me to have this life mm. and I don't want them working hard when they grow up because I want to do all the work for them. Mm. Uh so again um between my wife and I we we're a pretty damn good team to make this happen and a lot of patience. Wow. So yeah, you need you need to have a good significant other to kind of help you help you push through, right? Mm. Zam, thanks so much for sharing hey, and no, I, I can't wait that. to keep working with you on things we are Likewise. planning to do. Likewise. Yeah, we got a lot of you you caught me by surprise. <laughs> but you know what? It's a good way I I like being caught by surprise. I really awesome. do. <laughs> thanks for going to the podcast today. Hey, no, I appreciate you having me. Thank you so much. <laughs>